Blitz Period is a production of BNM Media and brought to you by Sooners360.com. Make sure to go follow Jalen at Sooner Sports Daily on Instagram and at underscore Jalen Ross on Twitter. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Blitz Period. Jalen Ross here, and today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some of the stuff that's been going around this week. The NFL Combine wrapped up, uh, Border Regents meetings went down, as well as some stuff that happened in workouts uh, yesterday. So uh, let's just go ahead and get our foot right in the mud here. Uh, first of all, if you have not checked out our last episode, we had a, a fantastic sit-down with um, Soonerscoop.com's George Stoya and Joe Castiglione Jr. I do want to reflect that Joe Castiglione Jr.'s opinion in that podcast do not reflect his father's opinions. So don't go running with anything he says. But uh, go check that out, man. It was a fun episode. We talked a lot of ball, uh, had some laughs and stuff like that. So it's been awesome. Like, really go listen to all the interviews because all the interviews that we've done up to date on the Blitz period have been awesome. So make sure you guys check them out. And um, that would be greatly appreciated. Make sure you guys share these episodes and things like that. But we'll get into all that at the end of the episode. But anyway, first of all, let's go ahead and get into uh, some combine stuff. So, uh, Juan Morris, Eric Gray, Anton Harrison, Marvin Mims, Jalen Rebin, Michael Turk all participated in the NFL Combine this past week. Um, and if I had to get a player that stood out to me the most from the Combine, all honesty, it would be Jalen Redman. I thought that Jalen Redman... I think everybody would agree that Jalen Redmond was going to have to have the biggest week at the combine because here's the thing with Jalen Redmond. Jalen Redmond is, I think what's going to scare NFL teams is he's had health issues. And we know that there have been times where you've just been chilling and then you woke up and you see, Oh, Jalen Redmond's not playing this week. Uh, you know, I know he dealt with some concussions in 2021, yeah, 2021, uh, you know, he had the blood clots that were going on, uh, and that's serious stuff, too. So, I mean, you can't blame him, but, uh, you know, he set out the 2020 season due to uh, COVID going around and the blood clots, which that's not a good mixture. But it was going to be pivotal for Jalen Redmond to have a good week this week, and he did just that. Jalen Redmond uh, finished his day in Indianapolis last week. Uh, he had the second best 40 of all defensive linemen participating in the combine had the, the best vertical leap, which was 34 and five inches had best broad jump or top best broad jump. The three cone drill was exceptional. 20 yard shuttle was great. 10 yard split was exceptional. So for Jalen Redman, when you talk about like guys ceilings, I think, and I didn't miss Braden Willis. He also participated in the combine. Uh, Jalen Redman is a guy that, you know, one, if you, I wonder what he does in the league as far as do teams see him as an interior guy? Do teams see him as an edge guy? And I think I remember Jalen coming out of high school. He was an edge guy, and he didn't really play much of that at Oklahoma. I know he wanted to. He didn't really play it that much. But, I mean, had Jalen Redmond been healthy his entire career, at OU, you would think he would have been gone a long time ago. And in a sense of this guy would have been drafted probably around that 2020 season. That would have been his junior year. So he would have been long gone. But 
For someone like Redmond, I think he's a guy that I think he's got the talent. Again, it's just a matter of health is a problem. Uh, and he tested great. And his tape shows you some really nice things. I mean, he had some good moments this year. And I think that he's good enough to crack a roster. But I don't see him just going into the league and lighting it up. I look at somebody like an Anton Harrison in this in this draft who Harrison's probably going to be a day one pick. I mean, he tested really well. Uh, most of you saw the post I put out of Felix under DK Uzoma, the, the defensive lineman from Kansas State, who's also going to be a really uh, high pick in this year's draft. He called Harrison the best tackle he played against. The kid won defensive player of the year in the Big 12 Conference. So he knows what he's talking about. Anton Harrison is really has the potential. And think about this. He has a chance to be the first, the f- first, first round draft pick of a Bill Biedenboe coach player. And it's crazy to think about because you think about somebody like Creed Humphrey, Orlando Brown. Um, um, uh, I know I'm missing some names. Uh, ben Powers, Cody Ford, whoever you can think of that's came through the Bill Biedenboe school. Harrison can be the first, the first first round pick, and he probably more than likely is going to be. Now, again, I think we all know that like Creed Humphrey should have been a first round pick. Um, you know, I thought he was going to be a first round pick, and coincidentally, I thought the Chiefs would pick him. I think the Chiefs had the last in the draft on um, that night, and they went with Bolton was also a great pick, but really should have been a first-round guy. We know that. This is a situation of, okay, look at who this guy is all over the league right now. Combine Harrison's tape and numbers with the tutelage that he's coming from, I see him probably falling into that last. He's going to be like a top 10, top 15 pick. I'd be surprised if he was. But Harrison more than likely falls to that range Kind of at the bottom of day one. Uh, Wanya Morris, I really don't know where he gets picked. I mean, I honestly feel like Morris, we can all say this. Morris didn't live up to what we thought he should be. Um, He was a former five-star recruit, and I think we thought he was going to come in here and set the world on fire. We probably thought he was going to be what Anton Harrison is right now, which is a guy who's a first-round pick on everybody's mock. That's not what Morris was. Um, Morris probably a three guy. And he actually ended up getting hurt. And, and that's the other thing, too. I didn't mention this. I mean, Pro Day is coming up as well. So there's another opportunity for those guys to test well. But uh, Marvin Mims, I mean, he went out and made some spectacular catches. Uh, his 40 time was exceptional. I think he ran a 4.38, if I'm not mistaken. That's probably, I'm probably giving him too much credit on that. Let me look at these numbers real quick. Uh, but no, Marvin Mims caught the ball exceptionally well. He caught this freaking rocket pass from Anthony Richardson, who... I think everybody's about ready to crown Anthony Richardson. Okay, see, I can never talk on this podcast. Everybody's ready to crown Anthony Richardson as the second coming. Uh, so, yeah, but uh, Mims actually, yes, I'm correct. Mims did end up running a four three eight. So, and I remember talking to some players a few years back who said like Mims is the fastest player on this team. So that doesn't really shock me. But this receiver class is really good. I mean, you talk about Jalen Hyatt, you talk about um, uh, Zay Flowers from Boston College. 
a Jackson Smith and Jigba. I mean, there's some great there's some great talent here, but I think Marvin Mims is probably the sleeper because I know people can talk about the drops, and I was very critical of him throughout that stuff, and I know he was dealing with a lot of off-the-field stuff at the same time, so that plays into it. But anybody who gets Mims is getting a steal because this is a guy who obviously we can say he can fly. Not only can he fly, he's a pretty freaking tough player. I mean, you've watched him play. He makes some spectacular catches contested. He can fight offs and tackles. He can do some things that you wouldn't expect him to do. A team's going to get a steal out of Martin Mims. And uh, hopefully it's the Dallas Cowboys. Jerry, Steven, if you guys are listening, first of all, go get DeAndre Hopkins. But secondly, go get Martin Mims if, if you don't do anything else. That's all I want you to do. Bring my guy back home. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, it, it, it Eric Gray, uh, Eric Gray did well as well uh, throughout the drills. He wasn't great, but he did well. And, you know, I mean, typically running backs don't get picked early. But I think the thing for Eric Gray, biggest thing for him is going to be speed. I mean, if teams really are – because I Eric Gray has the talent to be a really – I mean, he's, he's a dangerous guy with the ball in his hands. I mean, we've seen it very well. He gets the ball. As soon as he makes a cut, it's hell for everybody, okay? Biggest thing for Eric Gray, if Eric Gray had the speed of a – what's a good comparison to make it running back? Um, I don't know. If Eric Gray had the speed of, let's say, a – let's go with a Joe Mixon. And Joe Mixon's 40 timeout when he was at Oklahoma was like 4-4, four, 4-4-3 four, 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 or something like that when he ran at the combine. Was it the combine? Something like that. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, you get the point. If Eric Gray had the speed to go with everything else that he's good at, and he was already a threat at Oklahoma, but he would have been an even bigger threat. He had one of the best rushing seasons in a long time for an OU running back. Um, historically, you know, another thing for him is catching the ball out of the backfield and things like that, because a lot of NFL teams, they use that kind of versatility. I mean, you see it with Dallas, with guys like Tony Pollard and Tony Pollard was a guy who was a threat in the, in the, in the return game. He was out of the backfield and he was a threat in the, in the passing game. A lot of NFL teams are searching for those kind of guys. When it comes to, you think about players like Alvin Kamara, you think about the Tony Pollard, you think about. Um, you know, there, there's definitely some names I'm missing on that list, but that's where the, that's where it's heading. Christian McCaffrey is a perfect example. That's where things are going. And Eric Gray, I think he's going to have a really good career. But I see him being that kind of guy that honestly, I feel like he ends up being probably a day two guy, maybe around a late second round guy, just because of that speed factor. Now, if he goes up to this pro day and he just lights the world on fire. Then that's going to turn some heads, but you know we'll all see how that plays out. For Braden Willis, Braden Willis, honestly, Braden Willis makes his money, made his money in meetings, and that should not be a sock shocker. I mean, you're talking about a guy who you know hosted his own freaking podcast, and he, Braden Willis, has always been an exceptional guy to talk to, always an exceptional interview. Which it is a shame that we never interviewed him while he played here, and. There's obviously some reasons why some of you probably know that, but now that he's gone, it'd be a little bit easier to do. But Braden Willis is an exceptional guy to talk to face to face. And when you get that, and that's what happens at these combines with teams, they're interviewing you, they're figuring out what kind of person you are. We all know the kind of guy Braden Willis is. That's where his money is made. 
if Will, Willis strikes you just as a guy that if he goes out and he puts together a lengthy NFL career, he's going to be that like the typical veteran in the locker room that just knows how to rally the troops more than anybody. So wouldn't show me at all see him. But uh, I, but I uh, slowly want to transition into some facilities talk and stuff that's been going on around the mountain. The last few days, uh, the Board of Regents met this week, um, and they discussed a lot of stuff for athletics. We've already talked about the the plans for the $175 million football facility, which which is going to be coming around uh, here soon. I have no idea when a construction date is supposed to start. I went through campus today, and there's absolutely nothing going on, So, uh, which, I mean, you kind of expect because they still have to kind of figure out a location and all that stuff where all that stuff is supposed to go. But uh, some of the things that were discussed at this meeting for athletics, I mean, we talked about the facility, uh, $75 million for student-athlete success, uh, which I think is like kind of academic stuff. Um, $9 million on the Lloyd Noble Center, $45 million for the Eldale Mitchell Baseball Park. Speaking of baseball, they're actually playing right now. And then uh, $47 million for Love's Field and Patty Gasso, Patty Gasso's Castle, and then $8 million for golf. So uh, speaking of golf, we got some big stuff coming soon with golf. Uh, our guy, Ryan Hibble, uh, yeah, we're going to talk a lot about that here in the next uh, few weeks as connections progress but uh got some exciting stuff coming with the ou golf program program but anyway uh back to back to business so as far as football uh, we've talked about it a million times i mean they're they're trying to build a world-class facility here and this it's well not exactly but that's really what it is because i know people can look at this and they're like well, why do they need a new facility they just built one five years ago or however however long ago excuse me however long ago it was they just built the new facility or you know, they haven't played well enough to earn a new facility. Listen, sports in general nowadays is about keeping up with the Joneses. And for the University of Oklahoma, you're getting ready to step into a conference where everybody's going for each other's throats. OK, and you look at this like this A&M just approved. I think it was a two hundred million dollar facility. Uh, Florida's got a new ninety five million dollar facility. That's incredible. I think it's ninety five or it might be eighty five. I don't remember. It's one of those. Um, Bama doesn't really have a new facility, but their football facilities are immaculate. And I think that got built like four or five, four years ago, three or four years ago, one or the other. Georgia's, Georgia's got a new facility. They've obviously earned it. Auburn's got a new facility. So you, you sense a theme here, right? These are all teams that you're getting ready to go play. You've got to be able to match up with that because facilities are th- those kind of things. And, and, and this is the thing, like I know Brent Venables has kind of talked about how it's mainly it's mainly stuff that's it's a football only facility because like Switzer Center now it's not really strictly football like football has their space but golf is in there uh they lift in there sometimes uh track lifts in there i think uh well actually they probably don't because the the track indoor has a weight room but um i think track does some stuff in there if I'm not mistaken, uh, I know the women's basketball team used to the men's basketball team used to before they built the Griffin Center. Uh, so, I mean, it was kind of a thing that was just an all in the family type thing. Like it wasn't just football. With what they're trying to do now, I mean, you're, you're talking about putting in I mean, you're, you're talking about everything from strength and conditioning to uh, two two new brand new practice fields. 
uh, recovery spaces, meeting spaces, offices, locker rooms, um, nutrition, dining halls, anything you can think of, sports medicine, all that stuff that matters, that kind of stuff's going in. And I know this week they were approving like a construction firm or something like it's going to happen. They're just looking for the right firm to build it. What st- sticks out to me is the fact that 175 million and it's a price that's only going to go up. And you look at all the things they're talking about putting in this facility. That's a facility that, that costs more than Florida, Georgia, Auburn. Go look up those three football facilities and see what they look like. They're abs- they're outstanding. Okay. I can't stand AM, but theirs is going to be great too. Oklahoma right now is trying to prepare for the future in a sense of that's what college football is going to be like. Because take a look back at Oregon. The reason you got all these teams out here making these outrageous and beautiful facilities is because Oregon kind of started that wave as they did with the uniforms. But they also kind of started that wave with their facility of this is what people like now. This is what matters now. And of course, wins are eight, of course, all that stuff. But a lot of recruits are going to gravitate towards facilities because that's where they're going to spend most of their time. A lot of their day-to-day lives are spent in those facilities. And it's 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 facilities, class, dorm. That's it. So, like, I know from what I've been told that, like, Brent Venables is really trying. He really wants their this program and this team to be closer. And that's what it's going to be like. Like, I don't know how many of you have ever been to the Switzer Center at Oklahoma. And it's it's great, okay? Like, it's not just awful, and it's not like – we don't talk about it like how we talk about the Lloyd Noble Center. The Switzer Center is great. I love it. The problem with the Switzer Center is you've got too many people on this staff right now to where some guys are sharing an office. Uh, and not like coaches, but like support staff and stuff like that. They're sharing offices. Uh, they've had to come in and they've had to build new offices within the, the building for stuff like that. They had to build an entirely new recovery area. Um, you know, I mean... <laughs> Just Google this, but Brett Venables' office is insane. It's insane for even a co- – Nick Saban's office ain't even that big, okay? And you guys know I love Brent. And, it, I mean, obviously, it came before Brent. Like, it was Lincoln's office. It was Bob's office for, like, two days, but it was Lincoln's office, too. And the office is great. Like, the office is big enough to house the head coach and the offensive coordinator and probably the defensive coordinator, too. There's – it's huge. Brent Venables wants the players to be closer to him. He wants the coaches to be closer to one another to where it's easier for those guys to just walk in the office. And they can do that now, but it's easier for them with this. Now, obviously, there are no renderings out yet. There's no plans. Like, there's no, like, uh, you know, video where you can go find out what it's going to look like. Um, but for $175 million, you can almost bet it's going to look world class. But uh, as far as where it's going to go, I know like a lot of the talk is where the track is right now. Now, where's the track going to go? Ain't nobody talked about it. So we'll see. But uh, the track, maybe the, the the parking lot, the Duck Pond parking lot, the Heisman parking lot is what I call it. Um, where the Bud used to be, and, and for you people that have never been to Norman, uh, the Bud Wilkinson house was directly across the street from Owen Field. Ancient dorms, but historic, but also ancient got torn down. That's supposed to be the new student athlete success center that they've talked about. Uh, As far as what the Switzer center will be. And I think I've said this on an episode already, but I believe the Switzer center is supposed to turn into like a, um, a, 
Well, like, okay, so it's still going to be used for football stuff. Like, it's not just going to be completely gone. I would imagine that, like, maybe they make the Switzer Center a a place for fans. I mean, that sounds kind of stupid, but, like, maybe. Because I know the old Switzer Center, like, the Switzer Center from, like, 2016 and back, or 2015 and back, used to be, like, you had the lobby where you could walk in and you could see all the trophies and you can, and you can still do that now too. Now, I don't know if they really do it that much anymore because you know, COVID and all that stuff happened. But before that it was, you could walk in and you could get pictures with the trophies and you can see all that stuff. I imagine maybe they turn it into like a museum for fans to come and look at. Um, I mean, you're talking about going to the sec, you're going to have opposing fan bases come out. Maybe they want to come see what the university of Oklahoma is all about. Uh, you know, so I would think maybe they turn it into maybe a museum at certain levels. Um, now, of course, the locker room is still going to be used. Like that's going to be, I mean, like it's kind of how it's really how most schools do it in any way. Um, like I know schools like Bama do it, Georgia does it and all that. And, and it's how it works in the league too. I mean, you have your game day locker room and then you have your locker room locker room, which is the one you spend more time in is the one that's going to be prettier. Now, the current game day locker room is not bad. Like, it's great, but you you ain't spending a lot of time in there. So you, you're just spending your Saturdays in there. So, uh, uh, I like, I know they're going to continue to use that for game day. Uh, recovery and all that stuff would stick around for game day. But as far as what's going to happen to the Switzer Center, I really don't know. Um, obviously, that stuff is going to come out down the road, and we'll see what happens with that. But that's what I would do with it. Maybe turn it into a museum. Do something like that. Um, now, as far as this, that turnip seed, if you're listening to this, uh, pod and I know you aren't, but if you are, they actually could be, to be honest, but if you are, you have no choice, but to name this facility. Well, maybe not even that Joe Castiglione, Joe Harris, one of you Joes, if you are listening to this, you have no choice, but to name the facility after Bob Stoops. Okay, like I know Bob may not want that. Bob may be like, oh, that's too much. But Coach Stoops has earned it. Okay, I mean, he and even if you want to name it after the Stoops family, because they've done great things. Bob's done his thing. Drake has had an incredible career so far. Bob Stoops, we don't even need to talk about why he's earned that right. Um, He's proved it multiple times. He added to that legacy just two years ago or just last year. What the heck? Yeah. Well, yeah, technically two years ago. Anyway, he's added to that. Like he he's more than earned it. So do what you do with that. But it's going to be exciting to see. Now, as far as the other sports, uh, the Lloyd Noble Center. Now, we all can agree it needs to be burned to the ground. And I don't think anybody disagrees with that. Uh, I know I put out a post this week and I got to give credit to George Stoya here for getting the quote out of. Joe Castiglione that talked about how uh, they have discussed the possibility of renovating the Lloyd Noble Center or just doing away with it and building something new. As far as what I would want, like I would just go the route of completely rebuilding. Uh, you know, maybe you just take a bulldozer to the Lloyd Noble Center and put something new there. But like, I think your best bet is putting it somewhere that's closer to campus. I mean, that's going to be the better solution for everybody involved. But the improvements are strictly team stuff. So it's like a player's lounge, uh, um, uh, uh, locker room improvements, uh, recovery, and all that good stuff. It's nothing for the fans. But, yes, 
we all agree that it needs to be blown to the ground and something new needs to happen. We've already had that discussion multiple times. I just need somebody to take a match to it and do it. Now, City of Norman, I'm not enticing anything. I'm just saying it's done. Like, let's move on. And I think everybody agrees with that. Like, I think anybody you talk to, whether it's Joe Castiglione or Joe Harris, would both tell you, yeah, we're done. We want to leave. But it takes time. You can't just up and move because you got to figure out plans and stuff like that. Because you ain't going to satisfy everybody. And I know a few months ago that there was a report that, like, they were talking about the University North Park thing again. If you guys remember that, uh, it's a lot to explain. But it was the talk of having kind of like an entertainment slash uh, something similar to Texas Live, if you guys have ever been there in Arlington, with the basketball arena in University North Park, which is right outside, well, which is in Norman, but it's a little bit outside of campus. And uh, it's basically the bougie part of Norman. Okay, let's just say that. Uh, but that's that's what they were talking about. And like they were sending out surveys all over the city of Norman asking, like, would you want this? You are not going to satisfy everybody. And they know that. But you can probably satisfy everybody by just doing away with the place. Okay. Uh, now, maybe you don't even need to do that. You can keep it for gymnastics. You can keep it for, um, you know, well, that's about it, really. I mean, <laughs> keep it for gymnastics. That's it. Because gymnastics has earned it, too. They've been... They've had incredible. Mark Williams has done great things. KJ Kindler, both done incredible things with their programs, and they've earned it. But they've earned it. But uh, golf, uh, Ryan Hibble getting his um, his somewhat palace, the Charlie Co. Golf facility. They're going to be making some improvements up up over there at Jimmy Austin. Um, softball, we know. I mean, they've actually already started that. If you go down there now, you'll see. Uh, nothing but dirt, but I mean, they're getting to it. It's supposed to be done next year, if I'm not mistaken. So that's all happening pretty quickly. But all in all, what you're looking at right now is a school that's really trying to to, to, to take that transition. Because when it comes to like baseball, we talked about Eldell Mitchell receiving some renderings. It's much needed for them. Now, like when it comes to football thing, it is going to be a minute because like I know originally they were hoping to get it done before the SEC move, but that's not going to happen in time because that's happening next year. So, you know, all the stuff is going to happen first. Like basketball is going to happen first. Gymnastics, softball, baseball, all the other sports are going to happen first. Football is really the last thing in line. Not that it's the least important, but it's that they've got to focus on these other sports. Um, and I, by the way, I know people have also been kicking and screaming about a new press box. That's a part of another phase of the renovations to the stadium. That stuff's still going to happen. It's just going to be a long time before that does happen. Um, but anyway, for baseball, like we know SEC baseball is great. OK, and you're going to need that, too. So you're putting your priorities first. Uh, back to like the football thing. It's, you know, I know Joe Siglione commented on this a few weeks ago about how people were talking about we need to build a new upper deck. That's not going to happen. Like it, it can happen. Happen, it's just not going to happen now. It's going to be a while because even Josie said it himself, it's about fan experience. We're not trying to make it to where, you know, we just have the largest capacity in college football. Like that'd be great, but we want to have, we want to make it about experience. We want fans to be happy when they come. We don't want fans complaining about how old oh, the seats are this, the seats are that. We want people, and this is not word for word what he said, but it's pretty much he was saying that it's all about the experience for the fans. It's not about just having this and having that. Joe Castiglione has really taken things by the horns in the last few years under this, this, just, just this newness of a football program and stuff like that, that 
He's willing to do this stuff. He's willing to pour out money everywhere. Him and Joe Harris both. So, and even the Board of Regents, all of them. But, I mean, it's exciting times if you're an OU fan. Now, the only time where it's not exciting is when we're talking about Oklahoma basketball. And uh, they lost in the first round of the Big 12 tournament the other night against Oklahoma State. Uh, praise the Lord, it's over. I mean, it's just been what a season. I mean, right now, I think you're looking at next season being, you know, kind of Porter Moser's year where he's got to pick it up. Uh, you know, if you ask me what they've got to do this offseason to improve, they've got to go get some freaking athletes, like go get somebody that can play. Because again, I think that there's talent on this roster. Okay. You can't convince me Jalen Hill's not good. You can't convince me that. Grant Sherfield's not good. But Grant Sherfield just had these moments where it's like he shows up when he wants to. Okay. He was awful on Wednesday. Uh, it's just like you've got to go find some guys that can play. Okay. And all that stuff right now, it's just like you have the big man, all that, all drama. It's just not working for you. Thank you for listening to The Blitz Period with Jalen Ross, presented by BNM Media and Sooners360.com. Make sure to go follow Jalen at Sooner Sports Daily on Instagram and at underscore Jalen Ross on Twitter.